A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Anything else you got to get out before we hit record? <laughs> Any other confessions? Yeah, we got it. That's beautiful. Confession countdown. Five, four. <laughs> well, welcome to the DNA Airwaves. As always, we have Dariki Palmer in the house. Hello. That's his voice. We have Anthony Lewis in the house. There's his voice. My name is Matt Kesselman. This is my voice. And we have Jonathan Chase with us. Let's hear your voice, sir. Hello. <laughs> Hello. There it is. Howdy. How are you? Good. Great, great, great. Thanks so much for joining us. We, uh, we're looking sure. forward to this chat. You know, there's so much that I want to talk to you about, um, but I'm going to let you do most of the talking, actually. So can you maybe just explain your work? And I'm going to start with this. The last time I tried to kind of outline the work that somebody was doing, I really butchered it. So I'm going to leave that in your own hands and... Let's hear. Can you tell us about the work you're doing? Sure. So I wear many hats. I've been a professional working musician for 22 years. Nice. Wow. And about 14 years ago, I also started my own business as an autism consultant. Mm-hmm. So I was diagnosed with autism when I was 14 and a freshman in high school. Yeah. And that was the same year I got my first bass guitar and started playing. Right. Wow. I ended up dropping out of high school to work full time four nights a week in a working band wow. when I was 16. Mm. When I was wow, 18, yeah. I took my first trip to Nashville and I studied at a camp run by Victor Wooten. Ooh, mm. I know that camp. Yeah. yeah. It's legendary. So. Music was my whole life, but Victor really inspired me to find my voice both on and off the instrument. Right. So I started exploring the autism world, and I ended up becoming a board member for a nonprofit that led to speaking and writing. And Mm. now I work as a consultant, so I work with families, with teens and young adults. I run social groups. I work at the only autism overnight summer camp in the state of Oregon, wow. where I am the sword master. So I teach the kids how to fight with oh, foam weaponry. Sword, sword master. Sword, sword, sword. Yeah. sword master. That sounds about as cool so as So I run Dungeons and Dragons, sword fighting groups. Yeah, yeah. I take clients out to jazz shows. LARPing? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm a super nerd. Yeah, super nerd. I love it. I love you. Embrace it. So I found that there's this whole generation of young people who are just like me who need more people who understand them. Right. Yeah. And there's lots of amazing therapists and professionals, and that's super important. Yep. But Mm. sometimes you need someone who's 
also walked the same path and knows what that journey looks like. For sure. So that's what I do. Wow. You weren't lying. Many hats. That's a lot of things. (laughs) So we're going to definitely dive deeper into some of those. But you mentioned um, your experience when you were 14 years old. Just, I mean, just for those of us who haven't, um, have, haven't lived that life and gone through um, the experiences uh, related to autism. Can you kind of talk to us about that? Maybe how life was at that point and how music kind of came in and changed things? Sure. Well, my childhood was rough. I had good parents, but I didn't fit in. I right. just, no one knew why, but I didn't connect with peers. I didn't understand them. Yeah. I would get really overwhelmed by some sensory things. Mm-hmm. So um, for most of my childhood, I was bullied and abused by peers and staff in school. And staff. In the wow. sixth grade, they actually locked me in a closet with a chair under the door. Really? Yeah. I thought that yeah. only happened in like the movies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Things like that. Damn. Wow. wow. Shame on you. They still do, but now it's a lawsuit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So it was rough. Wow. So when I was 14, I was really struggling just to understand others, to connect in school. I was depressed. Mm. So finally, the school brought in this autism specialist who started following me around and taking notes. And I got kind of (laughs) suspicious. Are you unaware (laughs) of it? Because she was always sitting... Behind my desk. Right, right, right. She's a grown woman. So She's an adult. They, <laughs> sounds, yeah. sounds very strange. So they, okay. they brought me into the principal's office, with, and my parents were there, and this autism lady was there. Yeah. And they said, you have autism, and now we want to help you, because mm. now we understand you. Right. And I was offended. I was like, wow. I'm 14, I'm practically a grown man. Right, halfway there. <laughs> and <laughs> after all these years of struggle and abuse, now you want to help me? Right, mm, yeah. Wow. Where have you been for the last 10 years? That's a fair question. So the experts told me all of the things that autistic people don't do. Mm. They told me and my parents, they said I would never live alone. Right. I'd never have meaningful relationships or a career. I would never drive a car. And because I failed their motor skills tests, they told me I would never work with my hands. Wow. 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 That's sad because they're, they're, that's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's always funny when, especially psychologists, uh, they don't do that anymore. Now psychology is a lot of, we don't know, we're working on it. Right, but it used right, to right. be like, oh, we did two very flimsy tests and now we understand everything. Yeah, that we're <laughs> yeah, expert. Like, yeah. it, it's very limited. Sorry that you had to deal yeah, with no that. Yeah, no kidding. That's terrible. Well, it, there's a lot of wonderful people in the field. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to say people shouldn't listen to professionals. For it sure, was true. a different yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, so I came out of it... Um, it made sense. The diagnosis fit, but the school also put me in the troubled kids program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I'm hanging out with kids who are getting into hard drugs right, and right. crime and bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically, becoming a working musician was my escape from hanging out with people who were into drugs and drinking. Wow. At that age too. Yeah. That is that pretty age. ironic. 
That's given good. what musicians tend to usually do. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 True, true. That's a good point. You know, though, if you ever thought about a life drinking, try mm. being a teenager and hanging out with 60 year olds in dive bars. Mm, wow. Yeah, I mean, good you point. drink their boyo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just happens. gives you some perspective. Like, That's I look right. at my friends who were saying, let's go get drunk at him. Like, I just spent all night with some drunk guy asking me to play Mustang Sally. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Wow. So you've taken your, your work uh, and you're using it to help other people with autism. Um, my, I'm wondering, because I also, I, I teach at a college and I, I do get a lot of students with high-functioning autism. And uh, first, I can't always tell. Not that I'm trying to. Right. And second, uh, it's a very wide spectrum. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's mm-hmm. kind of like when people go uh, F cancer, it's 300 different diseases, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, how, how does that work? Because I'm sure it's not as simple as I have autism, you have autism, now we understand each other. Yeah. How does it work from sure. student to student? It's a good question. Very, yeah. So it's a spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. So, that's the the first thing is it's right there in the definition. All yeah. of us are different. Right, right. We are across the spectrum. And I think it's fascinating because you can have someone like me who talks way too much with the same label as someone who doesn't communicate verbally at yeah, all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in my work, um, speaking and training professionals before COVID traveling around the country. I found that the way I it, it works for me is I look at the things we have in common. All of us on spectrum have mm-hmm. brains that are wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're all unique, but I look at the common differences in how we process and experience the world. And what are they? Yeah, that's and, what I'm curious about. Uh, the most basic level is there are two big differences. Okay. How we process information and how we prioritize that information and filter through it as we take it in. Gotcha. So right now, all of us, our brains are taking in sensory data. Yeah. It's not just the sound of the voices as we're talking, the temperature in the room, Mm. the feel of the headphones on your head. Right. How about the feeling of the socks on your feet and maybe Mm. the way that one seam is twisted between your toes just a little bit. (laughs) You weren't thinking about it until I said it. Oh, yeah. Right foot. But now you are and it's distracting. Right. Yeah. But sometimes people will focus on that part. Is that what? Well, it's not focus, it's Mm. that your brain. Mm-hmm. has this ability to filter through information gotcha. and figure out what's important. Right, right, right. So right. your brain is saying, the conversation we're having, that's where I'm going to put my focus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to divert my mental processing power yeah. to this engagement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to devote any effort or energy or processing power to my socks. Mm, right. right, okay. They're not important. Autistic people don't always work that way. I'm thinking about our conversation. I'm engaged with you guys, but my brain can't turn off that sensory stuff and suppress it. Right. So sometimes I talk to kids because it's a learned skill, learning how to sort of manage your own process. It's something we can develop. Mm -hmm. But with no experience or understanding, you see people that just look tuned out. 
that right. they're actually tuned in yes. to everything yeah, at a yeah, really yeah. high level all at once. Absolutely. It's yeah. like if you take two people and put them in a nightclub and okay. one is a musician and one isn't, uh-huh. they will hear two different things. Absolutely. Right. Yep, yep, the yep, musician yep. is going to be able to tell you about the band, even <laughs> if they're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. And the non-musician is going to not even notice what the band. instrumentation. Yeah, they might notice right. the clothing and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they might not even really notice there's a live band because they they want to yeah. talk and have <laughs> yeah. dinner. True, that is so. So true. all of us have this experience where our focus shifts, but autistic people sometimes we have trouble spotlighting what's important, and then to compound that, the fundamental way we experience the world can be different. So I'll give you an example. When I hear a sudden loud noise, Mm -hmm. I experience physical pain. So a balloon popping, a gunshot, a firework, a car backfire. It's like being punched in the stomach. Really? So I'm a grown man. I have an apartment and a cat and a job and a car. And I'm afraid of birthday parties because I don't like balloons. All right, wow. Because they could pop and that harms me. Mm. So I see balloons as something that's dangerous. Right. Wow. So it's not a choice, it's just a crossed wire in my brain, which is a sensory processing disorder. Similar to synesthesia or no? Um, it's synesthesia synesthesia is another processing disorder. I don't have that. Right. Um, but I think it's similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, everyone's experiencing the world in their own way. Yeah. And yeah. none yeah. of us have a point of reference. Good point. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. point. To, to, to put a finer point on that, we all, all human beings, mo- most mammals really, if not most animals, have this, uh, I don't know if it's an ability, but something that happens to us called ratcheting where if we hear a loud noise, we are meant to immediately pay attention to that. Mm. And if you have uh, some different wiring, that ratcheting can go really far. To, to put another fine point on that, um, th- the retina in our eye has the highest uh, amount of data compression in the natural world. Think mm. about that for a second. Mm. Our eyes have data compression in them like a computer. Right. Uh, our skin ignores something like 14 million different sensory inputs every second. It's just too much wow. stuff in the real world for us to, what we're seeing and perceiving is just how our brain takes all this information and renders it uh, in our own minds as the world around us. You have slightly yeah. different wiring yeah. and suddenly uh, ratcheting works different. Suddenly contact to your skin works different. It only takes one switch mm-hmm. to be plugged differently for all these things that all of us have built into our bodies yeah. to completely manifest themselves in a it's different It's a mind-boggling way. experiment when you just when you bring up something so subtle about the human body and True. then you think about all of the other things that are going on during that process. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. single one of the hairs on your head, <laughs> it, you can feel it right, technically, right, right, but right. if you were to focus <laughs> on that, yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. imagine if you did feel every hair right. on your head. Mm. Huh. You'd be so distracted, you couldn't get anything yeah. done. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to get sidetracked there. <laughs> no, I, I just good. wanted to add that some a, of the science That was a beautiful it. rant. Thank you. We needed that. It's, it's fascinating. I, mm. One of my hobbies for a long time has been magic and sleight of hand mm, yeah. because it's another way of understanding perception. Right. 
Right. So yeah. one of my favorite TED Talks is um, the pickpocket Apollo Robbins <laughs> okay. talking oh, about how he can manipulate perception and That's, change yeah. your focus with a mixture of social interaction and physical sensation. And Sorry, what was his name? Um, I believe it's Apollo Robbins. He's a pickpocket. Okay. Okay. I'm right. And he has this great TED talk about how our brains work and how we focus on different things. And a magician or a pickpocket or a scammer can use your focus and your inability to process lots of things at once to take advantage of you. Does that mean that people with (laughs) autism are magic proof? In some cases, maybe, or they're paying attention. No, but no. I've also had some times where, uh, before people would bring me in to join a support group, and they'd say, "Hey, he does magic," right? And I do a trick for the kids, and they're just like, "The coin's in your other hand." I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to be impressed by here. Yeah, magic yeah, proof. Yeah, yeah, I wow. guess in some cases, that's awesome. Actually, what's interesting is my theory is that. Most of the tools I'm using, because I'm just an amateur, my sleight of hand is great. So I'm using a lot of social manipulation, eye contact, body language. Right. And they're tuned into the nuts and bolts of what's happening. Yeah. So they aren't distracted by that stuff. Right. Yeah. So the the bonus is it's some some people on spectrum aren't going to get fooled by it. The downside is you go to a bar and you really can't tell if the girl you're talking to wants your number or not. <laughs> or wants you to leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. It's a different, wow. it's a different yeah. view to, to process. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of brain math that goes into reading somebody's you're right. uh, facial expression. That's well, yeah. And it goes right across mm-hmm. body or language. Or just body tone, language too. Yeah. The words that you use. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. So yeah. after, like, uh, just going back from the time that you were in middle school and then you started gigging, when did you decide that you needed to kind of start this business where you became the autism consultant? Well, I traveled to Nashville multiple times to study at Victor Wooten's base nature camps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at one of them... He kind of fooled me into getting up and talking in front of everybody, which I'd never done before. And I was terrified. Right, of course. So I talked about autism because I didn't know what else to talk about. Okay, yeah. And the teachers and the staff that were really supportive and said, this is something you should pursue. You should not just have this be a one-time thing because you have Mm -hmm. things to say. So I came back to Portland and that stuck with me. Mm. So I ended up becoming the first autistic person on the Autism Society of Oregon's board of directors. That's something. What? Wow. That mm. sounds strange. Yeah, you were the really first does. autistic person on the board of, on the board <laughs> for, of autism. <laughs> f- for autism. Wow. That sounds like a, quite an oversight. It's a good thing it's you're like there now. Finally getting a so, black president for so, the NAACP. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of Autism supports have been more driven by parents and professionals mm, than right. people yeah, on true. spectrum. Right, right. Okay. I think in, that makes sense. In, I can't speak to the civil rights movement <laughs> or everything, but I think in a lot of advocacy worlds, mm-hmm. 
it started with a bunch of white people trying to do their best, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they Trying bring in the people racism. they're trying to help. That's funny. I never thought of it. And then at some way. point, they have to give up the power yeah. and be like, all right, you <laughs> take over. That's yeah. interesting. That's the hard yeah. part. <laughs> Make a clip so I think the disability world is no different. We've, right. Okay. Whether it's autism or other stuff, we've always had well-meaning people speaking for us. Right, mm, right. Okay. Good point. And this is really the first time in our society where now those conversations are being driven by the people with the disabilities right. themselves. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You're right. So, so I feel like my role was to really push that organization to grow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to listen to different voices. Yeah. And I was also the first board member to ever reach the nine-year term limit. No one else stuck it out that long. Wow. Oh. So I was really proud of my work. Amazing. learning and growing and pushing that group. But they do great work now. I collaborate with them all the time. That's amazing. That really is. So let's talk about that collaboration. How? What do you do? How do you help? Well, I published a book for teachers. Okay. Mm. So I do a lot of work sharing that. And before COVID, I would travel around and speak and train people. I do IEP meetings, which is a special ed planning and support for individuals in the school system. Mm -hmm. Uh, One-on-one work with my clients, which is sort of whatever they're working on in life, I'm there to support them. For most of them, it's teens and young adults. So we're working on independence and social skills and learning how to set goals and work towards those. What about for people that are interacting with people with autism, right? Is there any, like, like someone like myself who has family members that might be on the spectrum, is there any, like, do's and don'ts that you might be able to share with people that might be unaware of some of the problems that they're creating? Sure. I think the, the biggest thing is to recognize that your perspective might be different than theirs. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And just take a second to recognize that. The things you're seeing or thinking or recognizing, they might not. Right. Okay. Then the next step is to allow processing time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in our culture, people are afraid of silence. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Right? Look, if we all stop talking for a second, you notice how everyone's Facial expression changes. Everyone gets a little tense. This thing's still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can feel Even, it sometimes. But if we were all sitting at a table, we'd have the same thing. They call it uncomfortable silence. Yeah, yeah. But people with processing disorders, or autism, whatever it is, they often need more time to hear you, mm. process what you asked, and formulate a response. Yeah, right. So... If you are dumping more sensory information on top of your question, how are they ever going to answer it? Mm, that's interesting because I, I would play with something in my hand and talk to a friend of mine and he'd always fixate on what I'm playing with. And he would, wouldn't would oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of the well, same way too, though. Yeah, and it's good to remember, again, that what we're perceiving um, is not real life either. Right. Like who's to say... Whose brain prioritizes which senses more right accurately? Way, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This may be the next step of our evolution, mm. as far as we know. Wow. 
right? Mm. When you said about the book for teachers, it reminds me I had, still do have severe ADHD. And part of my non-drug-related treatment was that my teachers would actually go to a special facility to learn how to teach me specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that's very interesting that you're doing that and, and great that you're doing that. It's not just helping the people that need the help it's helping the, the people, people that are, support the people exactly, that need yeah, the help. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah and also on that you're you're obviously dealing with a a, a wide range of uh, individuals i imagine a lot of them are non musicians right um, but what are some mm-hmm. of the music uh, music based strategies that you use in your in your work i i find that if I take a step back from music mm-hmm. and I really look at it bigger, music is art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lots of people are passionate about art in different ways. Right. So instead of thinking about the, the nuts and bolts of creating music and being a musician, mm-hmm. I look at what does it mean to make your life pursuing art and what's different doing that as a profession or a hobby Okay. And that's a huge conversation that I don't think we're having with young people right now. Mm. Okay. Especially people with disabilities who are looking at their future and looking at their possibilities. Yeah. Right. So I think there's this huge space there to talk about what's it mean to be an artist? Mm-hmm. Do you do what you love to pay the bills? Or do you get a job that pays the bills and leaves you enough time and money to do what you love? Mm, wow. Yeah. Right. And neither, th- there isn't a right answer to that question. Yeah. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if there was. Uh, by the way, you're holding a bass there, Jonathan. Please feel free to crank that and just noodle around while we talk. <laughs> we we encourage that with everybody that comes yeah, here. It's, kind of, uh, it's funny because we didn't ask you to do that and you're already holding the bass, but that's usually what we ask people to do anyway. So please feel free. Um, Perfect. There we go. You know, sorry, that reminds me of something that I heard you say in, a, in another chat, Jonathan. You said that... Um, the way that you perceive chords and scales are shapes. Yeah. Can you explain that? And what shape did you just play? Or is it multiple shapes? Sure. So I gave a TED talk uh, that's all about music and autism and the way that I process musical information visually. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have synesthesia, but I think of theory in shapes and colors. Okay. So... Uh If we took C major, Mm -hmm. the chord tones are a different color than the extensions. So when I play, I'm thinking of the color. So the major seventh has a different color than a 13. And then we go outside the key entirely. All the out notes have their own color too. Interesting. And this is not so synesthesia think- in any way, shape, or form? I think it's not synesthesia no. because you're not seeing colors, right? You think of it as colors and shapes, but you're not actually perceiving colors and shapes. I guess. Right? I, think I that's can the see them. Right? You see them. I can see them in the air while I play. Huh. That is a little bit synesthesia. That's what you're saying. It sounds exactly like I mean, synesthesia. To- yeah, but- it does sound similar to what we've uh, learned in the past of synesthesia. Yeah. 
So I see, like, if I close my eyes and I think about the instrument, I see the fretboard in the air. Yeah. And then when I play notes, they all light up in front of me. Wow. So if I think of a line, all those notes, I'm seeing them in shapes, in lines, in patterns, and it's wow. all very visual. Does this apply when you're listening to music as well? Totally. Yeah, same. I don't know how to... So I played music for about 15 years before I learned that not everybody sees it that way. Wow. <laughs> hey, you might have synesthesia. I had... <laughs> you, really... you might want to look into that because that sounds a lot like synesthesia. Or have you looked into that though, Jonathan? Well, I have. You have? But oh, okay. It's different because it's it's my way of, pr- of organizing information. Mm. Okay. So I'm thinking about chord tones, modes, shapes, and I happen to organize them visually. Mm-hmm. And I had this amazing teacher named Scott Pemberton, who is just the most incredible guitarist. He's nice. like the best guitarist you've never heard of. Wow, okay. <laughs> and he, he picked up on that, and he adapted his teaching to teach me music theory in a very visual way. Mm. So we'd get okay. out a pen and paper and map everything out in shapes and colors. That's helpful. This is an acquired skill in that sense. Yeah, I was going to mm. say that. You've okay. learned this. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's the, the difference. difference. Right. Oh, we're on the same yeah. page. Oh, you stopped. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Thanks for uh, kind of breaking that down further because we were all sitting here like, it feels... Yeah, feels like, like it might be something else, but that makes perfect sense. You've learned this, and then you've learned how to apply it, and yeah. very cool. And very cool. Lot, I, I'm not unique. If you buy any guitar book, mm-hmm. there's little mm-hmm. shapes for all the chords. There's little diagrams on top of every True. Bob Dylan song that yeah. tells you how to play an E or the G. Yeah, and you just visualize those as your. Yeah, yeah I sense. just took it like. Everyone else sort of learns that and moves on, and I'm stuck there in all music is visual in right. my brain. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is um, You mentioned Victor Wooten a couple times. Is he your biggest, I imagine he's one of your biggest uh, bass influences. What? Not, no? Yeah, not just in bass, but in life. In life, okay. So mm. Victor, over the years, I've been so fortunate to become good friends with him. Oh, nice. So, I'm in his book as a character. Nice. And Which, I read my character's voice in the audio book. Whoa. Which book is that? About yeah. autism in his new book, The Spirit of Music. Oh, that, okay. So you can hear my voice Very cool. as an Amazing. autistic musician. Oh, I'll have to grab in that Victor's book. book. I read his That's other awesome. book, The Music Lesson. That was a great one as well. So um, I'm in that. In the very last chapter, there is. Uh, a character who enters the story, and that's me. Mm. Oh, okay. Or at least my sort of persona in yeah, Victor's yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so you've world. Influ- you've influenced him in many ways, too, it sounds like. Very yeah, cool. so um, a few years ago, bef- just uh, before COVID, Vic brought me back for the first time as a teacher mm. to two of his camps. Nice, very cool. And that was such a... Uh, bucket list moment for me to go from I was 18 years old and the student there totally overwhelmed to now Vic has brought me back to teach alongside him that's incredible such an honor no kidding yeah and what I learned from Vic is 
Like everyone thinks of him as the guy who can play a million notes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But but when you spend time with people at that level, you realize that's not what makes them special. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a million kids on YouTube who can play a million notes. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> One per kid. But one for kid, yeah. But they aren't changing people's lives the way that the great musicians do. Agreed. So what is it that makes Steve Bailey or Chick Corea or Victor Wooten or whoever, whoever it is, what makes them special? And I feel like most most of the time in life we don't get up close enough to the people who inspire us to answer that question. Mm, And I have been really fortunate that I've been able to get up close with a lot of the people I admire and really try to learn what makes them special and successful. Mm. And I try to take that and apply it to all of my work, not just music. Right. What does that involve? What other work do you do? Well, all the autism work, speaking, mm-hmm. writing, working with clients. Like, I, I, I found the great jazz musicians, what makes them special is they're fearless. Mm, right. Like, mm. Miles Davis was never afraid to play a note. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or Jocko was never going to be like, that note's not in this key. I'm going <laughs> to stay away from it. Right. True. But, but it's different to try to look at life that way. To mm. not be afraid of the notes when you don't have your guitar on. Mm. So what's it like to sit down in a meeting and throw something out at the rest of the table and you don't know if they're going to like it or not? Right. Yeah. Or to sit down with a family and say, I've got an idea for your kid. I have no idea if it's going to work. Yeah. 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 But let's try this new thing and see. Hmm. When you come up with curriculum and stuff that you write, do you collaborate with someone else or is this all just your own creation oh i collaborate i i steal from all of the brilliant people in my world i'm inspired by so many um i've worked for years with this amazing autism specialist named barbara avila the synergy autism center okay who just put out a book um my friend Yasmin at Voices Together just put out an amazing book about music and supporting people with autism. Um, The lady who did my initial autism eval is now a dear friend of mine. Wow, wow. It's beautiful. So I try to learn from all of these people. And and I never went to college. I don't have any letters after my name. Um, (laughs) All of my work is based on my experiences, but I realized a long time ago that that's not enough. Mm. It's not enough to just go to somebody and say, this worked for me, so I'm going to try it with you. Yeah, You need a deeper knowledge base. For sure. So I try to take courses and study and ask questions and absorb from all of these different disciplines around me from Autism specialists, and therapists, and counselors, and teachers, Everywhere, and yeah. find what what they are doing and apply my own methods to it, right. or absorb that in. So I'm not reinventing the wheel. Like nothing that I teach is unique to me. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm teaching it in my own way. 
Right. It's just like music. There's only 12 notes and someone's already played them all. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very true. But no one can play those notes the way you do. Wow, yeah. There's something there. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I have a life lesson question for you, Jonathan. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> I, th- I think you can handle this. <laughs> in what... In what ways do you think you would, or in what ways would you encourage all of us to support those who we see differently than ourselves? Gosh. I, well, it's such a bigger question than just autism. Yeah. Yeah. So to sort of take that a step back, in the last couple of years, I've gotten really involved in the social justice movement, being out in the streets and working with people at BLM and yep. oh, you're all in sorts Oregon, of different. Right. Yeah, Oregon. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, I've I've been tear gassed. And oh really? Man. I was out there in the Fed Wars two years ago. I've yikes! I've seen a lot. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And for me, I am I am a white dude in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> like my perspective. <laughs> on a lot of these issues is completely useless. <laughs> well, and like it's you know I will I will never live that experience the way other people do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I try to learn and listen and really take to heart the things that people tell me about their experience mm-hmm. and then compare it to my own. And I think that you can do that whether it's autism or social justice or anything. If you listen and you absorb and you really are honest with yourself about your desire to learn and do better. Mm, Absolutely. That's the truth, the honesty with yourself. Well, I do want to ask in regards to that. So we talked about um, elements of autism that are different or that can can pose a difficulty for a person. Can you talk a bit about uh, some of the, uh, let's call them superpowers that you might have? Some things that are easier for people with autism than they are for for people without autism or people who are not as far on the spectrum. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing, that idea of autistic superpowers. Maybe that was the wrong word to you. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, (laughs) I hear it a lot. Okay. I thought it was original. Some... (laughs) Some people take offense to that because mm. not everyone has this obvious, amazing talent. Right, right, okay. Like, not, and especially there's a lot of people who are working on the things they need to work on, <laughs> and you're going to see that a lot more than the thing that they're really brilliant That's at. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. That's but very true. One of one of the things that I'm good at that I see in my clients is the ability to hyper-focus and to just take that one thing and focus on it and push everything else aside. I love that. So if you look at developing a skill like music, it's not just being able to pick your instrument instrument up and play. It's all those hours in the woodshed. And a lot of people learn a couple scales and go, this is a lot of work. I'm mm-hmm. going to go outside and like drink beer and make friends and hang out with girls. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's the dudes like me who are sitting in the bedroom for 12 hours a day practicing their modes. Yeah. So you see that in people who develop these skills way faster than their peers. Right, right. Okay. A lot of it's because they're pushing harder. And it also might be that they are not developing those other skills at the same pace. Mm. All the other kids are out on the playground learning how to shake hands and make friends and read body language. And you got one kid who's sitting alone at home playing piano. Right. So everyone says he's got a superpower. Right. Mm. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, what was your practice like? Uh, would it be safe to say, were you, do you think that you were like obsessed in a sense with practicing? Was it on that level? Oh, definitely. How did, did you torment you? That's what I was going to say. How did you feel if you missed practice or? Well, I was depressed and lonely. And so music was my escape right. from life. Mm. So, so I could just hunker down with headphones at a bass and learn solos or songs or practice scales. Wow. And it was also, it became my voice. Right. Like yeah, I was yeah. very meek and quiet and I had no confidence. Mm-hmm. And I could get up on stage and pretend I was Flea or Les Claypool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. pretend I was someone else yeah, who no, was okay. confident and powerful and had something to say. Yeah. But you were confident so, in your ability to play the bass, no? Not at first. That's something I learned actually from Victor okay. and his. So at my first camp, I was terrified, and I played very little all week. Right. Mm. And at the very end, um, Anthony Wellington, who's just amazing bassist and teacher, yeah, yeah, he sort of took me aside and he said, "Like, hey man, on this last night, everyone's gonna play. Do you want me to play with you?" And I thought he was like being cool to support me, but I think he just didn't think I could really play uh, on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got him. up and yeah. Well, we got up and played, and I finally got confident enough to throw down a little bit. Throw <laughs> down, yeah. And everyone was really surprised that the quiet, weird dude could actually play. Right, right. Uh, we're all weird dudes. <laughs> um, Anthony That's Wellington's a name that came up on this show before. Actually, we spoke with Divinity Rocks. Another bass player, and she mentioned being at Victor's camp and having uh, profound experience too. <laughs> yeah, with Anthony Wellington mm-hmm, specifically. Yeah. So, big show. She's amazing. Him. I love her. Yeah, I guess you know her personally. Did you did you uh, meet her at any of the camps? Were you ever there together? I've met her, but we were there at different Dude, years, so I don't uh, know her mm. personally. But she's so inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. As you and are too. Ins- yeah. Good point. Thank you. Yeah. Well. If Beyonce calls, I'll take that gig. <laughs> I, I think good. anybody would. I would. Yeah, I mean, I'll take it too. If you want uh, me to dance, I'll do the single do. lady dance. Throw a wig on. I think oh, oh Matt's it, it speaks a lot to the way that Victor and all of the people out there teach. Right, yeah. yeah it does. There are so many stories from that sphere of people who go mm. there and then come out and really find their way to do big things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's just what's so cool is that there are these musicians out there that don't have to play to make a difference. Mm. Huh. Like Victor and Steve Bailey and Adam Nitty, all of these amazing musicians who are teachers. Yeah. They could all put the bass down and never play another note. 
and Still it wouldn't diminish their legacy and right. it wouldn't stop their their contributions to the community. Mm. Right. And I think that's that's a really cool thing to think about if is everything I have to offer on these four strings? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Not if you get a five string. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a loophole. Funny guy, funny guy. Um, you've provided us with a lot of insight here. One of the things I love about chatting with guests like yourself on the show is the perspective that we get. I think that every time I have one of these, or three of us have one of these conversations, we leave with just the whole world of insight that we can hopefully take and share and I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to sit and chat with you today. I'm going to ask you another, this one's a little strange so feel free to decline but could you give us a version of your best Victor Wooten impression? On base, not talking. Or talking. I mean, or, no, talking you spent enough time with him either way. Maybe both at yeah. the same time. Well, the stuff everybody thinks of right. with Vic is the Slap thumb stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> wow. Impressive. Love it, man. But but what's funny though is like so many great soloists though, if you actually go watch a show, mm-hmm. Like ninety percent of what they're doing is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just holding that groove. Actually, doing the job of the bass. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 of yeah. course. <laughs> like if it, if you go watch Stanley Clark or Victor or Marcus Miller or any of them, yeah. Like for every bass solo where there's a bunch of pyrotechnics. <laughs> There's ten songs where they're supporting other people. Right, that's so true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I think that's a lesson that's bigger than the bass, and it's bigger than music. Absolutely. Like, how much of our energy are we spending putting spotlight on ourselves, and how much time are we really focused on supporting the people around us and making them sound good? Mm-hmm. Sound good or look good or feel good. That's uh interesting. Words. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do it one more time. This is this is a little selfish now. I'm just curious. I imagine that you spent time practicing like we all did. I'm a bass player myself. So you practice we practiced uh sounding like other people at some point. That's just a part of the process. Mm-hmm. What if I asked you to give us a quick version, a sample of your impression of Marcus Miller? What would that sound like? Oh man. Well, you have to change the tone. Love it. There it is. There it is. That was good. <laughs> that was just for me. Thanks so much for Different doing that. Different tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting though is like I feel like there's what I learned from all those great guys is the lessons in music translate to the rest of life. Yeah. Like if you look at how we learn to speak, we learn by imitating our parents or the mm. people around yep. us. Yeah, right. How do we learn to play music? We imitate the people around us. Right. True. Yeah, yeah. So this, it goes so much further in how we speak, how we share, maybe even how we treat each other yeah. is who are we imitating and 
are we following in the footsteps of the people we want to be? Mm, that's a thought to leave us with. That's wow. a great one. Are you? Wow. I have to make yeah, a clip. I have to sit and marinate on that. <laughs> We're gonna, yeah, yeah that that's one of those ones that's a that great soundbite. We're all kind of speechless at the end of that one. Mm -hmm. Um, I want people to be able to follow your work, uh, keep up with what you have going on. Can you just shout out your social media, your website, whatever, you, what, how, however people can find you online? Sure. Uh, my website is jonathanchase.net, N-E-T. Um, I've got a TED Talk. My book is called From Surviving to Thriving, and it's available on Amazon. Nice. And I'm a community resource, so people are welcome to shoot me an email from anywhere. I also work with families through Zoom now, so all over the country or the world. Nice. I'm just here to try to help that next generation to reach their potential and hopefully avoid some of the challenges that my generation had to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, important. That's beautiful. Uh, keep up the great work. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And I hope to hear from you soon. And if you ever happen to be in Toronto, we'd love to have you in the studio. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd love to. Cool. Take care, Jonathan. Thanks for stopping by. All the best. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. <laughs> As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.